playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get my way. The boys and me got big NASA going. We were born to try. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on ESPN 1080. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4. In the house, Holly G, along with the best caddy on the planet, bigger than Stevie Williams, bigger than the best of the best. Rich Bianco, and uh, we are talking PGA Championship, and booyah, 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 Keegan Bradley, yes, an American rising star, which everybody can jump on that bandwagon, Rich B. What an amazing finish. Hey, you know what, best caddy on the planet. Now, I was a great caddy on Monday. The Monday after the majors, let's get right down to it. We do, we do. We have to uh, spotlight another major championship that was going on locally before we get into the big stuff because, you know, it was an important tournament that was going on. The Rosen Cup, led by Mike Tuck and Jerry O'Neill as team captains for this impressive field of Ryder Cup matches that occurred at Shingle Creek on Monday. You and me, Rich B., we had a big match. We were not victorious. No, I don't think I had the best of you that day. You were kind of out to lunch that day, but it's okay. I'm going to give you a pass on that. But let's Me give, out uh, to lunch. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back up. Back yeah. up on that one. How was your short game, Rich B.? Woke up about the 14th hole. Thank you very much. Yeah. And we must do a shout-out to our pals at the leaderboard. Yeah, uh, we got beat by uh, Bill Bona. And uh, Kenny Naren. Kenny Naren, yes, the nice kid from Scotland. And uh, it was did a, fun... a Keegan, did a Keegan on us. It was a fun, fun match. We I were really even up most that. of the way. Then birdie, birdie, and they uh, hammered us by two. And unfortunately, we lost our match. We were on Team Tuck, and we happen to have the winning captain in the house, Jerry O'Neill. What's up? Got to give him a few more minutes to gloat. No, people are tired of hearing me on the radio today, and I'm tired of me being on the radio today. You have Keegan Bradley's father coming up? We do. To all our listeners, the father of the PGA champ will be with us shortly in about a half an hour. We're going to have uh, great stuff coming to you today. Bob Herrig reporting uh, on the PGA Championship uh, wrap-up, as well as our very own Jeff Shane from the Orlando Sentinel. But it was a big victory for you, Jer. I know uh, you're, you're already shining the trophy and before we get to that i gotta please rich uh this is a non-smoking studio you're gonna have to put the marlboro out <laughs> that's oh. how he gets that gruffly voice mm-hmm. the truth no, is out we, we had a blast our thanks to dave scott everybody out of shingle creek they make us feel like royalty the four two-person golf scrambles we introduced into the market the monday after the major tournaments uh, now nine years ago and so we have just completed the fourth of those four this past week. We play for the Rosen Cup. The Rosen Shingle Creek is an incredible property with great people. And uh, we just had a blast. And, uh, yes, a year ago we divide the, uh, the foursomes into two groups playing Ryder Cup match play format. Uh, my partner, myself, beat Mike Tuck and his partner. However, when we totaled the points, they were one better. He's been bragging about it. I told him payback was hell. Uh, it was. He's going to have to live with that for a year. And Team O'Neill, winners of the 2011 Rosen Cup. Congratulations. Hey, uh, yeah. How'd they come up with the teams now? What, do you just uh, spin those teams out or uh, pick them out of a hat? 
Because it was a pretty uh, lopsided uh, victory on your side. We, I, Team O'Neill, I said, come mm. on, let's go. Uh, <laughs> you gave me mm. speech. <laughs> and w- the one thing that I was very satisfied with was your pairing. Oh, noting, man. Noting that you guys were It's all in, the fa- <laughs> all in the family with here at Tuck. ESPN. All in the family. <laughs> but it was a blast. We, uh, yeah, we had a great time. And kudos, kudos to you, uh, Mr. O'Neill, for uh, being the victorious captain. You know what? Although perhaps some questioning. Uh, enjoyed it, Jerry. Thank Behind you so much. Teams. We're going to let you off the hook because I know you uh, got a lot of stuff to do here this afternoon. All right, everybody get off 5-4. I'm rolling home. So <laughs> That's right. I'll be listening. I enjoy you guys. Thanks for being a part of our family. All, All right. right. Thank you. Look at Jerry hit the door. Is he, Jerry is he, O'Neill. Where'd he go? He's out of here. Golf clap, golf clap. <laughs> Woo-hoo! Victorious at the Rosen All Cup. Right, All what? right. And if you don't get a chance to take advantage of that uh, next year. The Monday after the majors. See you at the Masters will be our first event next year. And uh, Jerry and Tuck, they do uh, they do a great job. And it's uh, something that you might want to look into. Grab a partner and come on down. Enjoy it. All right, Rich B. This PGA Championship finish. Come on, people, if this doesn't get you excited about golf, forget about Tiger. Come on. No way. It starts on Thursday with Rory. Watch out for the root. Rory, that's a root, Rory. And it's, you know, if you don't, if you play golf in Florida, that's, you know, about those Cypress knees, those Cypress knobs, you know. I I saw the wrist, the arm breaking. Oh, Jesus. And I mean, this wasn't a punch out, this was full throttle. What's he thinking? What was he thinking? No, that's just stupid. I mean, uh, hey, listen, it's one shot, uh, and you can win it. You can lose the tournament in one shot. but You, you can lose your career. Yeah, you're not going to win it in one shot. So uh, that's just a chip out in the fairway. And that route looked, uh, yeah, they had Frank Nabilo from the Golf Channel out there uh, later on in the afternoon uh, doing an autopsy on the route, and uh, that was just uh, crazy on his part. Yeah, and uh, Rory ended up finishing tied for 64th. And Tiger, missing the cut, finishes out of the top 100 for the first time in a major. So a lot of storylines leading up to uh, to the finish this weekend. But leaderboard full of Americans, don't you know? Did you just say leaderboard again? I did, We're the not- leaderboard on Sunday. <laughs> full of Full of Americans. And, uh, you know, it was interesting because we went from what seemed to be kind of a a no-name, lackluster leaderboard on Friday going into Saturday. And then, who knew, after Saturday's round, a whole bunch of veterans, 40-somethings, sitting there in the top ten, from uh, Steve Stricker to Scott Verplank, uh, filling up that leaderboard. Davis Love was in the hunt again for a little while. Davis having a great David year. Toms, great year, and you know it's 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 amazing because uh, the older guys kind of faded there at the end. I mean, this golf course was so difficult, and you know it just took it took a lot out of some people here. So I think these young guys, hey, they got a legitimate beef here. I mean, they deserve it. They were uh, they were able to hold up uh, physically and mentally under the pressure. Jason Duffner and Keegan Bradley, not exactly the names we were talking about last. Week Rich B as hey, we've talked about. Let's not forget Brandon Steele. Brandon last, Steele uh, in the last last group on Sunday. Uh, the, I mean, you know, somebody said it's not just these guys are good; all these guys are good. Yeah, it's who's who's hot and who's not. Now this is a good example. Now where do these guys come from, and how and why are they peaking right now? Well, we're going to go to our main man Bob Herrick from ESPN.com to ask him that question. 
Bob, I know uh, you're probably still recovering. What an amazing finish. What a year in golf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sure was a uh it sure was an amazing finish and um you know, we've had seven straight first time major winners and Keegan Bradley tops it off by being the very, very rare major winner in his first major, which is, you know, remarkable. Uh you know, they talk all the time about um guys how hard it is to win the masters having never played there before, well, how about just having never played in any major before? Uh, you know, Fuzzy Zeller won the 1979 Masters, the last guy to do that, but he had played in majors prior to that. So um, it's uh, it was quite an achievement and uh, ended up being a pretty riveting uh, last couple hours. And an amazing achievement considering that he had a shot in the uh, in the tournament at Firestone the week before, and uh, ballooned to, I think it was 77 on Sunday, and shot 41 on the back, wasn't it? And, and he said it really scared him, and he uh, spent some time with Jim McClain and Bob Ritella to sort it out, and then to be able to put it in gear on Sunday on the 15th hole, I mean, amazing. Yeah, he, you know, he, he really kind of got lost in the whole Steve Williams, Adam Scott thing at... Um, at Bridgestone, he finished 15th when he had sort of been right there, and and you know there there weren't a whole lot of people worrying about what went wrong with him in the aftermath of that. But you're right, it was it was a little bit of a you know, he got in the mix there and, and seemed to fall apart, and and then there he is the very next week, and you know he does it again, kind of. He made that triple bogey at 15, which is just uh, you thought it was over. I mean, it was. Uh, crushing and comes right back with two straight birdies i mean maybe at that point he didn't feel like he had anything to lose but but certainly at that when he made the second birdie he knew he was right back in it and and that 18th hole is a bear at atlanta athletic club and he piped one right down there and made the par and um you know i know jason Duckner had to help him out but still it was a pretty pretty strong finish and then, obviously, a, a really good playoff, making that birdie on the first hole after Duffner had stuffed his in there before him. And Duffner almost putting it in the hole on his second shot. I mean, inches from probably turning around, possibly the momentum of the playoff. And I've you know seen a lot of things written um, referring to Duffner's collapse, and I wanted to ask you, Bob, I mean, do you think that's fair? I don't know that the guy collapsed. I mean, he lost the tournament, but I don't know that it was a collapse. Yeah, I mean, I wrote about Duffner on Sunday, and I, I referenced, um, you know, what happened and, and tried to compare it to other major... Um, I, you know, I, collapse probably is a strong word. I don't think I use that word. Meltdown's a strong word, but but you know, you have a five shot lead with four holes to play, and as it turned out, all he had to do was play him in two over. Um, I realize that's not the same as as uh, Vandeveld coughing up a three shot lead with one hole to go, but it's similar to what Ed Snead did at the '79 Masters when he bogeyed the last three to fall into a playoff. He has a three-shot lead with three to go. As it turns out, one par and he wins. You know, in, in Duffner's case, he needed two pars out of four and he wins. And, um, you know, 
Headley's not going to win the tournament if Duffner doesn't do that. So I thought he was going to be fine on 15 after he hit it in the water, and then he gets it up and down for bogey. I mean, it was a long bogey that was huge. You figure, okay, that's going to calm him down. He's going to be fine. And then he hits a perfect five on 16 and and managed to, uh, you know, to, to hit probably, as he said, his worst iron shot of the week. Well, what do you... What do you attribute that to? It's got to be the pressure of the moment. I mean, I don't know if, you know, again, collapsed wrong, but certainly, you know, he felt the pressure. And, you know, if he gets that ball on the green in two putts, he's going to probably win. So you kind of have to hold him up to something there. You do have to take him to task a little bit. It was his to win, and he didn't get it done. Uh, and, uh, of course, you know, obviously he could have made all those mistakes if Bradley hadn't made any, any birdies, but he did. So, um, it was, uh, it was sure a, a wild finish. That's, uh, there's no doubt about that. Well, I'm sure once he, um, took that four shot lead, then to be a five shot lead, uh, there were probably a few people, uh, clicking, clicking off the channel thinking it was a done deal, except for the fact that those last four holes were crushing everyone in the tournament all week. So the idea that, uh, you know, this was a done deal, um, I think was, you know, and proved to be far from the case. So I, I guess that's where I say, hey, this thing wasn't going to be over till somebody got through 18. Yeah, and, and the other thing there was, you know, Duffner had played those holes without a bogey through the first three rounds. He was actually three under. Uh, and so when it's all said and done, he played them in even par, which anybody would take. Uh, going into the week, you would have said, "Great, I'd be glad to get through there and even par." It's just that the timing of it, of course, is what is what made it look bad. And as you said, it was always going to be a big question as to whether those guys could get through those last four holes. And uh, and as we saw, it was very very hard to do. And I mean, even Keegan Bradley, when you look at it, he played the last four holes in one in in one over. Uh, it, it's just that, of course, three over came on one hole. Well, the the uh, it needed some big broad shoulders, and this kid has them certainly. You know, to raise the Wanamaker Trophy, that thing is is huge, and I'm sure it was pr- probably felt like a dream when he woke up Monday morning and was staring at it on his uh, hotel dresser. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure it was still a shock to him. Uh, uh, great achievement, though. Uh, seems yeah. to be personable. A nice nice kid. Uh, yeah, give us a sense of what his press conference was like afterwards. I mean, he must have yeah. been just off the moon. Yeah, and he, you know, he's just, uh, he does. He has a great disposition and um, is is very uh, humble in a way. You know, guy gave credit to a lot of people. And he's He's been playing practice rounds with Phil a little bit and gave him some credit. And um, You know, he, he came from not the, the strongest of backgrounds. I mean, it was a few years ago when he was on the, on the Hooters tour, and he and he needed, uh, you know, he was kind of down to his last uh, last penny. He, you know, he wasn't a prodigy by any sort. He played college golf at St. John's, uh, you know, not exactly a golf power. So, right um, to, to to be in that position and to come through, and again, is you know, only the third time. Actually, he's the second player in nearly years to make to win a major in your in his first attempt. Then Curtis was the last one in 2003, and before that you had to go back 90 years 
the Francis we met. I mean, it just doesn't happen. You know, guys just don't win majors playing it for the first, you know, playing it for the first time. So, um, you know, the good thing for him is he's already also won another tournament, so he doesn't appear to be flukish. He's got a bunch of top tens this year, and um, uh, now it'll be interesting to see how he builds on this. And how do you see, uh, in terms of uh, rookie of the year, potentially player of the year, given that he's won, uh, you know, a tournament plus a major? How do you see things shaping up as far as that goes? I think he would have to be the front runner for both. Um, you know, there's been nobody win more than two tournaments, and nobody who's won a major has won two except for him. So uh, that puts him ahead in both, I'd say. You know, Schwartzel's a rookie on the PJ Tour, but has just the one tournament. Um, you know, Rory won one tournament uh, and isn't going to be playing over here anymore this year. Steve Stricker's won two, but you know, does his two compare to the two that Bradley has? Probably not. You know, so it's um, and if he does anything in the FedEx Cup, you know, I think it's I think he's a lock, and I don't think there's ever been a rookie of the year player of the year combo. That would be pretty impressive. We're talking with Bob Herrick from ESPN.com and wrapping up the PGA Championship. On Sunday, Bob, a lot of 40-somethings that were in the mix, um, you know, beginning uh, early in the day. Uh, David Tom, Scott Verplank, a lot of great stories. Steve Stricker, kind of surprised he faded. Um, another un- somewhat unknown and Brendan Steele, who unfortunately really uh, imploded on Sunday. Were, were you surprised? I mean, it's been interesting to see. I, I, I don't think we probably would have thought that two... Uh, Fairly, you know, one rookie and a guy that's sort of been a journeyman, Jason Duffner and Keegan Bradley would be, you know, passing the pack and leading this thing. Yeah, I, I would have thought that, that a guy like Replank, Stricker, it was kind of right there for him. You know, it wasn't like they had um, these experienced players with a, with a lot of tournament wins ahead of them. In fact, there was hardly anybody on that leaderboard um, who had won a major. I think Schwartzel was the highest or, uh, you know, major winner at 12th. Uh, you know, Phil never really got into it. Um, so it was kind of there to be had. And I, I was surprised that some of those older guys that you mentioned didn't, didn't break through a little bit more. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's just, I guess, points to the wide open nature of things as we've talked about many times this year. Uh, um, guys are fearless now. You know, seven straight major winners who have who won for the first time had 13 different major winners going back to 2008. Um, you know, the parity now is, is unbelievable, and anybody thinks they can win. I mean, uh, you know, Bradley was outside of the top 100 in the world, couldn't even get into the U.S. Open and the British Open. Uh, you know, he had won his he had won the uh, Byron Nelson before the U.S. Open, uh, and yet still wasn't eligible for it or the British. So, it kind of points to how deep it is, how deep it is, and where these winners can come from. And you know, really beyond storybook, as you were saying, the fact that um, you know he's a rookie that wins his first major. Not only that, but you know, his dad is a PGA uh, pro head professional out in Jackson Hole. I mean, it was uh, you know, in terms of the PGA Championship, you couldn't write a better storyline. Yeah, no, exactly for. Th- for them, it was great, and of course, his and is Pat Bradley, um, LPJ Hall of Famer. So, 
but I mean, for a guy who came from Vermont and started skiing and went to St. John's and wasn't really highly recruited, um, <laughs> pretty impressive. And I think for a lot of people, probably coming into Sunday, you know, it looked like it could be a real, a, a little bit of a snoozer. Um, this thing certainly ended, I think, in such a dramatic way. Nobody saw it coming. Exactly. I mean, it. Um, you know, it's it's a shame that it's it's sort of judged by the names. Uh, golf, unfortunately, for whatever reason, um, it is a name-driven. Uh, front-running, leading, uh, leading sport. Uh, fans like the names that they know. They like the players who've won a lot. They don't seem to embrace the so-called Cinderella stories. You can, he's the perfect example of one. Uh, so would Duffner have been. So would Brendan Steele. Uh, so would Scott for Plank. You know, he would have been the second oldest major champion had he won. But those stories don't seem to resonate as much. Um, you know, golf is just strange that way. Uh, you know, we like the upsets in college basketball, but we don't seem to like them in golf, and and that tends to skew down the numbers of people who follow. And of course, with Tiger missing the cut, you know, there's that whole segment of people who just tune in for him, who who you know who didn't even bother. So um, it's uh, I, I, that's just I guess that's just where golf is at, and what we have to live with. Let me ask you just a question, having covered golf as long as you have. Is it the fact that golf needs a shining star? I mean, that's sort of the bandwagon everybody got on with Tiger, um, you know, and, of course, being an extraordinary you know, player that we may not see the likes of for quite some time. Or is it that, you know, we're missing some rivalries in golf if, you know, you go back to, you know, the days of Jack and... Palmer and Trevino and Watson and Player when, you know, it was really about who had to climb over the other guy. Right. Yeah, it's, um, uh, I, I just, I just do think that, um, we like there to be someone to shoot at. And right now, it's, even though I think in a way people have enjoyed the different winners, that, that won't last. Um, that that kind of storyline is going to get old. Um, in other words, it would be great if a guy like Schwartzel or Rory could win another major, you know, and have a second one or win multiple tournaments in a year. As much as we've built up McElroy, he's only got one win this year. You know, he came at the right time at the U.S. Open, but um, you know, the guy's got three career wins, and here people are comparing him to Tiger. Um, so. Um, it, again, it kind of points out how great Tiger was. I mean, think about it. 71 PGA Tour wins. You know, Steve Stricker has 11 Tour wins, and that's considered awesome. You know, so it, um, uh, it's, it's really now going to be sort of interesting to see what happens. We've got a bunch of these named players on the outside looking in at the, at the FedEx Cup. Everything's wide open. And, uh, you know, but I think at some point it'd be good if one of these guys stepped up and won a bunch. We're talking with Bob Herrig. Uh, your thoughts going into this week, the Barclays, and um, who who uh, really needs to step up in this tournament in terms of the going into the playoffs and the Tour Championship? Yeah, well, you've got a bunch of guys who you'd never thought would be in Greensboro. Ernie Els, Padraig Harrington, uh, Paul Casey, uh, Justin Leonard, I believe Camilo Vajegas is 125th, so he's on the bubble. 
all those guys, uh, the, all the other guys are outside the top 125. They need to make the cut and then make a move to get in the top 125 to even be eligible for next week. Uh, so, um, you know, there's, of course, Tiger was in the group that was outside. He elected not to play, so he won't be eligible for any of them. Uh, but, um, you know, if you want to keep playing these big money tournaments, you've got to get in the first one. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, a lot of these guys aren't there right now. So, you know, in a way, the, this thing has created this sort of situation. People used to sort of laugh at, oh, 125 guys, it's too many. Here we are. We got a bunch of named guys who aren't even in the top 125. Yeah, which adds to again what a what an interesting year it's been. Um, your your final thoughts from the PJ Bob was this one of the best finishes uh, you've covered? Well, I mean, I think the um, I think the Masters this year was probably a better finish in terms of all the number of guys up there. You know, you had like eight guys who had a share of the lead at one point um, on Sunday. Uh, but the, you know, the PGA has been giving us this for a while. I know there's been a lot of chatter about it's the worst of the four majors and should it even be a major, all that stuff. Well, you know, look at some of the tournaments we've had in, in that, in that event lately. Last year was the playoff with Dustin Johnson, that whole mess. Two years ago was Tiger and Yang. Three years ago was, uh, Harrington beating Sergio down the stretch. Uh, four years ago was Tiger, you know, winning. Uh, he actually won back-to-back years. Uh, before that, Phil won. I mean, uh, it's the 4 VJ won in a playoff. He had the Tiger playoff with Bob May. I mean, it's been really a lot of good finishes in the tournament. And the reason some of these unknown, sort of unknown guys pop up is because it's the deepest field of the four majors. As we were saying before, you know, Keegan Bradley wasn't even in the British Open or the U.S. Open. Maybe he would have made a run there. You know, this tournament goes much deeper. It has way more of the top 100 in the world. It doesn't have any amateurs, no qualifiers. You know, after the other qualification criteria, the PGA gives out exemptions to guys who are in the top 100. And except for 20 club pros, um, you know, there's really probably 130 guys who could win the tournament, and that's really not the case at the other majors. So, um, you know, uh, this is sort of just following form. I think the tournament's been really good, and, you know, I know they've had some issues with their venues and heat and all that kind of stuff, but uh didn't keep from being a good tournament this time. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate your time, Bob, uh, fresh off uh, your return from Atlanta. And um, now we're on to the playoffs and the road to the Tour Championship back in Atlanta. So we'll look forward to checking in with you in the next couple of weeks and seeing how uh, this plays out into the fall. Okay, great. Sounds good. We'll talk to you soon. You're listening to the Golf Insiders 1080. We will be right back with Jeff Shane from the Orlando Sentinel. PlayGolfPlanet.com is Orlando's coolest place to get the hottest deals at your favorite courses around Central Florida. PlayGolfPlanet.com allows you to connect directly with the courses to book tee times online and organize your foursomes with friends all in one place. PlayGolfPlanet.com brings the best deals directly to you. It's as if you're a private member at all of your favorite courses. Every day the content changes on your personalized account. Receive exclusive tee time deals and get the latest information on local tournaments and events. PlayGolfPlanet.com is the future of golf, where golfers choose and courses deliver. Sign up today at PlayGolfPlanet.com. PlayGolfPlanet.com. 
Discover your own golf paradise at Deer Island Country Club. Experience the island. Deer Island Country Club, an 18-hole championship Joe Lee design on 400 acres on beautiful Lake Dora, just minutes from Orlando and downtown Mount Dora. Deer Island is surrounded by water and is in excellent playing condition. Golfers, get out of Orlando. Enjoy cool and picturesque Deer Island Country Club in beautiful Lake County. Check out our summer specials, golf and lunch for just $29.95. $29.95, seven days a week. And ladies, Tuesday is your day. Pay just $20, including your cart. Deer Island is also offering the PGA's Tea at Forward program, making golf faster and more fun. Great golf for a great price. Deer Island Country Club, we're worth the trip. Call for specials and tee times, 800-269-0006, 800-269-0006, or visit DeerIslandGolf.com. Hi, I'm PGA member Jay Golden and proud to be part of the Golf Insider. I teach at Winter Pines Golf Course in Winter Park, Florida. I'm sure you know where it is, right off of 436 near Aloma. If you take a lesson from me, I will bring out the strengths in your swing, in your putting, in your chipping, in your pitching. I will see what you can do consistently, what comes natural to you. I do not teach one swing to everyone. I find your strengths, and I bring them out. I work with Steve Marino on his putting. He's one of the top players on the PGA Tour. I work with tour hopefuls, and maybe even know my son Jeff Golden, who played in the 2002 U.S. Open as an amateur. I will bring out your best. I teach at beautiful Winter Pines Golf Course. If you'd like to take a lesson from me, my number is 407-673-2183. 407-673-2183. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he shank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. We're back, the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G, along with Rich B. We're talking PGA Championship. Hats off, Keegan Bradley, the PGA champ. It's Keegan Red now on Sunday, Rich B, and you can see I have my Keegan Red on today. All decked out. You are on that bandwagon, Holly. You know, I, I am. You are first one in line for the... He's Irish, come on, you know it was uh, going to yeah. happen. But, Great um, story. Fantastic Great story. story. And we are going to go to one of our our top favorite golf insiders, wrinkle that Orlando Sentinel, and a little <laughs> golf clap for our main man who has been on the road working his tail off, Jeff Shane. Hey, my friend. How are you? We are great. Um, well, let's just start off. You were there. You were... You are witnessing this amazing little piece of history with Kegan Bradley and your thoughts. Well, it's uh, certainly uh, been a while since we saw a guy wearing a red shirt make birdies on Sunday at clutch times, right? Ooh, oh, nice. nice. Yes, Jeff. <laughs> but, uh, no, it, it was a really gritty performance, I thought, from Bradley. I you and I both know that there are dozens of golfers that would have folded their tent after a triple bogey at 15 and fallen five shots off the lead. And for him to come out and uh, go to the 16th tee and, and hit a good drive to set up uh, a birdie opportunity, and then at 17, you know, it, that's obviously some luck involved too, but to put himself in that position and uh, hats off to a guy that may very well be the next name to add to that roster of young American talent. Now, let me ask you that, too. Um, now, of course, all eyes on him in terms of a favorite going into the playoffs and the tour championship. And we were just talking with Bob Herrick from ESPN.com about, you know, potentials for player of the year. Lots of uh, 
uh, accolades already mounting up on his shoulders. Uh, what you know? What do you see? Is is you know he's the real deal? He's going to be a superstar? What do you think? Well, I I, I think that uh, in terms of this year, uh, the way that uh, the the year has shaken out, Deacon Bradley very well could be a solid player of the year candidate until somebody wins a third tournament. Egan Bradley has the one uh, differentiator between him and the other two-time winners, and that's the major championship. And uh, again, I, I think his performance, his performance, and Charles Schwartzel's performance are, are the two that really stand out in majors. I know that Rory ran away by eight shots, but in terms of having to make clutch shots down the stretch on Sunday, I think those two are going to jump out a little bit more. Uh, whether he can take it to the next level, you know, we've been waiting on Dustin Johnson, we've been waiting on Nick Watney, we've been waiting on Matt Kuchar. Um, there are going to be ups and downs as you kind of go through the, the useful part of a career. And, uh, in fact, it's what I wrote about uh, in my column uh, in the Sentinel tomorrow is that certainly you have to add him to the roster of young American talent. Uh, will he be the one that kind of becomes the breakout star? Only time will tell. We're talking to Jeff Shane from the Orlando Sentinel. Well, it I think is just a relief that we don't have to be talking about what's wrong with American the Americans. Uh, we've broken through that uh, <laughs> that milestone again since uh, we finally have a winner. Uh, it was uh, Phil Mickelson in the 2010 Masters who had been the last American winner. But um, you know this this golf course, tough golf course, in those last finishing. The four holes ate a lot of the guys' lunch all week long. Um, you know, Martin Keimer missing the cut, Jason Day, some guys we were talking about last week, and you mentioned Dustin Johnson. And as Rich B. pointed out, for uh, Brendan oh, Steele, black my, on black, not a good... My fashion <laughs> statement not, for the week. Not a good choice for that guy on Sunday. No, and, but I think that Atlanta AC was kind of designed to be set up that way for... For whatever reason, you know, between the PGA and the membership and, and Reed Jones, who did the doctor work on the course, they wanted to make the last four a real gauntlet to go through. And uh, there was some talk early in the week as, you know, as some of the uh, early leaders came in, look, you know, if you were in the clubhouse, you know, with, uh, you know, trailing by one, knowing that the leaders still had to play 15 through 18, would you take that? Some of them said, you know what, may not be a bad idea. Uh, it, it was not meant to be a, a, a course one with birdies, especially down the stretch. So the fact that Keegan Bradley birdied three of his last six holes, I think, makes that you know even more impressive. That it was not meant to be a birdie course. Hey, on the golf course, Jeff. Now, did you make it out there at all? Did you? Were you, you were there, right? Yes, I was. I was out there. Uh, uh, you know, when when the writing deadlines weren't too tight. Yes, I, I definitely tried to get out to. Uh, get out to the course itself, and I, I did get a good look at uh, 16, 17, and 18, and, and one of those are some tough holes. Did you, did you see the route that Rory hit? I did not have a chance to go to Rory's <laughs> route. That's kind of at a farther part of the golf course, and uh, so when you would have to kind of go out to, you gotta be you got to be committed to go out there, I'll say that, and uh, uh, in the early part of a round when I was trying to work on other things, I, I did not. Well, as often happens with a, a major, a lot of stories unfolded. You know, first the whole incident with Rory and the tree root on Thursday, and then we had Tiger, you know, missing the cut. Uh, then we had, you know, kind of this mixed bag of players on Saturday, and, you know, then these uh, 
to uh, Americans, uh, young young guns uh, taking taking the lead and running with it. Uh, fill us in a little bit about Jason Duffner. Uh, Thirty-four years old. He hasn't actually been. He's been on tour, been off tour, uh, bounced around a little bit. But you know, I thought he was a pretty cool customer. And again, uh, I was speaking earlier with Bob, and I'll ask you this question because you know a number of guys have referred to the fact that he collapsed. But as you were mentioning, you know, he had played those last four holes in three under par in the first three rounds. Pretty, you know, pretty impressive. Uh, to get it in the house, he, yeah, he had a couple of bogeys. Yeah, it was the worst time, and it was, you know, in the clutches of the tournament. But um, you know, I don't, I don't know that he collapsed. I think that uh, you know a lot of guys would would take bogey on 15. It was the toughest hole or the second toughest hole on the golf course. 15 and 18 were were easily number one and number two in that situation. And so uh, if you can, you know, get by through the week with one bogey on 15, that's pretty good. Um, but as uh, as Jason Duffner said himself, you know, I most golfers would take even par over those last four holes over the course of the week. But uh, the problem is, is that he his sequencing was you know not the not the greatest because he got all of his birdies done early in the week and then he uh uh he, he took all of his bogeys on sunday uh i'm sure the the shot at 15 there was a little pressure involved there and then you know the snowball effect kind of starts to happen and uh, uh you know to his credit he didn't take any double bogeys either it was just a very tough stretch of holes and and almost slam dunked it on the first playoff hole i mean he went from hitting what he said was one of his worst um, irons on 16 to, I would say, hitting a, a great shot on the first playoff hole in which he almost uh, nailed it in the hole. So, you know, as always, golf is a game of inches, and it can be pretty cruel in the moment. Yeah, it absolutely can. And, uh, and, and as I'm fond of saying, timing is everything. So um, it, was, uh, it, was, it was just a tough situation. He had played so well through the first 68 holes of the golf tournament. I, I, I made a comment uh, uh, as he was uh, kind of running out to his uh, early lead, the, the two bogeys early, or two birdies, I should say, early in the back nine to, to take a two-shot lead uh, going, in, going into that stretch. And, uh, you know, here, here's a guy, you know how some golfers when they're, or, or athletes in general, when things are going well, you know, they don't want to change their socks, they don't want to change their warm-up routine, they don't want to change their warm-up, uniforms, their undershirt, whatever. Jason Duffner is one of those athletes who, when things are going well, just absolutely refuses to change expression. No doubt about that. I mean, I, I think everybody was, was talking about the fact that this guy looked like he barely had a pulse, and, you know, you just couldn't tell what was going on inside him. And I think that's why it, this came as such a surprise that, you know, he did end up dumping it in the water when it seemed like he was pretty much on cruise control, and that after really making a, a pretty decent saving putt for bogey, that, uh, you know, it kind of unraveled. You know, we didn't say much about his golf swing either. Uh, his little waggle thing there uh, where he stands over it and gives it. Uh, I mean, you don't see that very often. That is definitely a homemade uh, golf swing. Well, right and there. I'll tell you what, our good friend Mary B., Mary Bryan and I were texting back and forth, and she said to me, watch, watch out. He's going to start hitting it right. And sure enough, doesn't he hit two critical shots right, you know, by fanning that face open a little bit with that waggle. A lot of people were saying great stuff, but, um, you know, I, I don't know if it failed him under pressure. 
Yeah, it, it, it's one of those things where it, it can easily be a situation where it gets out of hand. Although, I, it's interesting, the guy next to me, we were kind of counting his waggles, and it was always in the same same sequence. He took, a, he took seven and then hit. So it's something that he's obviously become very accustomed to. I think that goes back to his days playing baseball as a youth. Uh, it's a comfort zone for him, but yeah, if you're, you know, you, you and I both know, any golfer knows that if you're off just a fraction, uh, that can make a whole lot of difference in your score. What were your over, uh, overall thoughts in terms of the finish? Um, one of, one of the best finishes you've covered? It was, it was certainly one of the most dramatic. I think the, I think the best finish that I've covered still goes back to that 2000 PGA when Tiger and Bob May uh, just went right after birdies and right after each other, and and uh, you know here was this you know Cinderella story uh, that you know was trying to uh, knock off the hottest golfer on the planet. Uh, that that one still is you know kind of the number one that that sticks out in my mind. And even though these two guys you know were not all that well known going into the weekend, they delivered as as good a drama as. as really anything except, you know, something like, you know, the May Woods duel type of thing. And just some final thoughts, uh, Jeff. What do you feel? Does this, uh, you know, bring something special, a little extra kick into uh, into golf with now some new Americans to focus on? I, I think so. I, I, I've i long said that, you know, this is a good crop of American talent. What we need, though, is we need one breakout guy so that everybody else can go chase him. Now, whether that's Bradley, whether that's Dustin Johnson, whether you know uh, Matt Kuchar, you know gets hot, or or Nick Watney, you know the only thing that he kind of hasn't done is win a major. Um, if one of those guys can start to move his head and shoulders above the other, then you have a, a, you you have a star in the making, so to speak, that everybody can focus on, and then everybody else starts chasing him, and you kind of define the roles. Here's the pursuer. Here are the pursuee. You know. That, that type of thing. Well, we're now coming into the playoffs, and we know you're going to be covering it down to the wire as we get into the Tour Championship. Uh, what do you see for this week at the Wyndham Championship? The, the, the weird thing about this week, and I don't know if Bob mentioned it earlier, is just the number of big-name guys that are kind of bottom-feeding right now and, and in very real danger of joining Tiger on the sideline for, uh, for, for the FedEx Cup postseason. You've got Ernie Els at 126. He's kind of in a virtual tie with Camilo Vijegas. Remember when Vijegas used to be one of the faces of, of the young uh, of the young guns, and he's just had a really uh, uh, squirrely year between yep. DQs and and, and yep. injuries and, and things like that. So you got those guys. You got another three-time major winner, Padraig Harrington at number 130, and and he's just you know struggled with his swing all year. A couple of other former major winners, Ben Curtis and Justin Leonard, guys whose names we recognize that are all fighting to get in. Angel Cabrera, who's a two-time major winner, is at number 150. And to even have a ghost's chance of getting into the Barclays, he's going to have to finish eighth or better in Greensboro. At the same time, we see some guys like Trevor Emmelman's game starting to come alive again, and uh, as we've talked about for a couple of weeks, Sergio Garcia. So it's another uh, great tournament, another great week, and Jeff Shane from the Orlando Sentinel keeping us uh, in the know, both locally, nationally, and all around the golf world. Thanks, Jeff. We appreciate your time so much, and we'll check in with you next week. Okay, take care.
Jeff Shane, Orlando Sentinel, our very own. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 1080 ESPN. Our very special guest, Mark Bradley, father of PGA champion Keegan Bradley, coming up next. Stay with us. Has your car or truck been in an accident? Do you need a dent or scratch repair? Our team Auto Body and Collision is the place to go for your auto body repair. Our team specializes in auto painting, unibody, and frame alignment. Our state-of-the-art technology and factory paint matching will make your vehicle look showroom new. Trust the pros at our team Auto Body and Collision to repair your luxury or performance vehicle. We work with all insurance companies and provide discounts on insurance deductions. Our team Auto Body and Collision provides 24-hour towing and a lifetime warranty on all repairs. No damage, no problem. At our team, we paint all makes and models. Our team Auto Body and Collision. We take the stress out of your automobile mess. Call us today. Financing available. 407-290-1500. 407-290-1500. Are you or your business suffering from financial stress? Are you so overwhelmed with bookkeeping that you don't have time to grow your business? Are you behind on your tax returns or being audited by the IRS? The accounting firm of Frank J. Guida CPA can help. With over 30 years of experience, you can count on Frank J. Guida CPA. We provide customized financial services and strategic solutions for a variety of clients. Tired of CPA firms that don't return calls? We provide frequent, timely, and direct communication. Our number one goal is to always be responsive and provide the answers our clients need. Stop worrying and make more money. Let Frank J. Guida CPA show you the way. For a free consultation, call 407-539-0031 or visit cpaconsultant.com. For over 15 years, Winter Park Eyewear has provided designer eyewear, sports, and sunwear to keep you looking good both on and off the golf course. Family owned and operated, Winter Park Eyewear offers friendly, personalized service in a relaxed atmosphere you won't find in the mall. Owners Harvey and Christine Finkel are licensed opticians with over 35 years experience. Winter Park Eyewear sells designer frames from Gucci, Cole Haan, Oakley, and many more. Winter Park Eyewear provides eye exams, contact lenses, digital, and progressive lenses. For all your optical needs, visit Winter Park Eyewear, 1933 Aloma Avenue, 407-677-8666. 407-677-8666. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, We're back, the Golf Insiders, wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk and... PGA Championship Review, Rich B in the house, Howie G, and hats off to the 20 PGA professionals, the club professionals that were playing in the PGA Championship, and Rich B as a PGA member yourself. Um, hats off to Mike Small, who was the uh, the low medalist in the tournament, and uh, what a career he's had. But as uh, we've been talking about this uh, storybook ending and Keegan Bradley's uh, win, he's no longer just Pat Bradley's nephew anymore. He's a PGA champion. And uh, the first words out of his mouth were um, his dedication of his win to his dad. 
uh, head golf professional at Jackson Hole Golf and Tennis in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I can't even imagine how big the grin was on his face and how proud a dad he must have been. And we are so privileged to have Mark Bradley on the line with us. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the Golf Insiders. Hi, Holly. How are you? Fantastic. But more importantly, how are you and how's the family all taking this in? Yeah, it's way cool. It's, uh, it, it, it's, we've followed Pat for so many years and she did so well. And then, you know, Keegan came along and from an early age, this is it. This is all he wanted to do. And, uh, I'm a club professional, so he just came to work with me every day. And, uh, I never had to kick him out of the shop. I really didn't. He just would go out and he'd practice and he'd play and play and play and, uh, uh, he had a joy for the game, and he had some, obviously, some innate talent, and he put in many, many hours, and uh, so it was cool for me, because I had my boy close by, growing up, in his formative years, and it, it was awesome. Well, I know um, you're originally from Vermont, correct? Yes. And that he was a competitive skier. Um, sounds like he was quite an athlete. When did he really get, you know, really focused and completely hooked on golf? Well, you know, we lived in a very small town in Woodstock, Vermont, in Vermont, Woodstock, Vermont, and uh, there was a, a ski area there called the Suicide Six Ski Area. And uh, it was a small mountain, but it was a real steep one, and it had a real heritage, a real history in, in alpine ski racing. And skiing has always been huge in my family. You know, Pat and me, myself, and we grew up in a ski shop. That's my family business. And so skiing was a huge part of our life, and then I think when... The golf got introduced to the family. I'm sort of going off path here, but I'm just saying that uh, Keegan and from a very young age skied, and that's what we did. In the wintertime, we skied. In the summertime, we teed it up. And uh, I was involved in the ski racing end of it as well, and I coached ski racing. I still teach ski racing to this day at the Jacksonville Mountain Resort out here in Jackson, Wyoming. But uh, you know, I coached him, and he was good. He was really good, but like my sister Pat, who at a young age, who was also a very fine alpine ski racer, uh, decided that they were going to give up ski racing uh, and focus on their golf. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it was a really cool move. So I wasn't willing to do that, and that's why I live in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I love to ski, and so I still enjoy both seasons, and it's great. But I'm so happy that both of them made that decision, but... I was with Keegan when he told me at the uh, finish line at Bromley Mountain Ski Area in Bromley, Vermont. He said, Dad, that's it. I'm done. And I knew it. And so we basically, I uh, threw him his coat because they were wearing these GF suits and whatnot, and we skied down to the base lodge. He took his skis off. He was a sophomore in high school, and he has never put them on again, having grown up since two and a half. I mean, skiing, racing, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm from upstate New York, and I understand that. I was a big skier in the winter and a, and a golfer in the summertime. Been to Jackson Hole, an absolutely gorgeous place. But, uh, you know, interesting, in today's world, you know, guys like Keegan you end up, you know, uh, moving to warmer places where they can play year-round. It's a lot tougher when you live up north, you know, to yeah. have to be able to, um, you know, groom that talent. So, uh, you know, when, and he even said he was kind of under the radar in college. Uh, when yeah. did you see him kind of breaking out? Yeah, very much so. He was under the radar in junior golf and whatnot, although he won at every level. But uh, I don't know if his amateur career was that distinguished. It was a good one. It wasn't one where he won the USAM or the Publinks or that sort of thing. He was invited to and played very respectably at a lot of events, like his Aunt Pat. And uh, 
college, he got a very good college career. He won nine times, and the competition was was quite keen, but he wasn't going to Georgia or Stanford or something like that, Florida schools, and so he was flying under the radar there. You know, I will say that uh, gives me an opportunity. There were some colleges that looked at him, and uh, I won't mention any names, but, boy, they seemed to just completely drop him like a hot potato because, again, born and raised in Woodstock, Vermont. Who comes out of New England that can play? Well, they made a mistake because he was playing brilliant golf at, you know, the Big East level. And, and uh, so that being said, he, I think, and he said it in some interviews, and I've heard him talk to me about it, to where taking, in the wintertime he skied, in the summertime we played golf, and, and taking time away from the game saved his body, made him fresher, made him understand more that that's exactly what he wanted to do. And so when the time came, he made the decision, and uh, off he went. And, you know, that means going to St. John's, University in New York, that's, that's hit balls in the dome in the winter and sneaking down to Florida whenever you can. But it all worked out just exactly the way it's supposed to. And uh, St. John's was a wonderful experience. It's a, it's, a, it's a really good diploma. And he finished all four years. I'm proud of him. No doubt. Now, what a lot of people might not know is, um, although he was embraced by mom and his sister and that adorable yeah. nephew, you were back at Jackson Hole. You had contemplated jumping on a plane and flying in there on, uh, you know, late late yeah. Saturday night. You decided not to mess up his mojo, but I can't imagine what you were going through. First, take us through Sunday. Um, you know, starting with when he made that triple bogey. What what were your thoughts? Well, you know, if I could go back a little bit, uh, you know, further in the day, it was, you know, I'm a PGA club professional, and my club actually, this particular day, we had member day. It was a big thing for the members where afternoon shotgun, a scramble, and a morning shotgun where they could bring their guests because it's August and Jackson, and everybody has a lot of visitors and whatnot. So uh, I got a call the night before from a friend of mine with Delta, and he had these buddy passes, and he said, Mark, I think we can get you on a plane and get you to Atlanta at 1.45, and Keegan went off at 2.30. And, you know, it was still iffy, and he said, if you go, Mark, you don't get on. Well, you weren't planning on going anyway. So what I was saying is, is that uh, I did pack a little bag, and I had it with me, and I got up in the morning, and something just came to me, and I just, as I said, in my heart of hearts, I said, you know, he's down there, his mother's the best, and uh, and uh, his, my daughter's so fabulous, and Aiden was a huge, my grandson, because Keegan's just a little sap for her babies, and so am I, and it was just, Aiden is such a sweetheart that uh, they went home at night, it's like Madison said, they watched things like Everybody Loves Raymond, and uh, had spaghetti, and it was just... It was a family affair, I love that. It was, it was, and so I was thinking, I'll come there on Sunday, and in the morning of the of the day to go in and, and go to work at first, and then go to the airport just thought, you know, even just him seeing me and going, Dad, you know, because I knew he'd be happy, uh, might have jogged him. I had no jogging. I just said, let him do it. I came home. I announced to my, my membership when they teed off for the shotgun at 1 o'clock. I said, listen, folks, I'm not going to be here when you get in. And they're just fabulous. So they just said they understood. And they ended up hanging out and partying around the club, watching it on TV unfold after they got in from there. Mark, Rich Bianco, hey, scramble. I got a quick so, question cool. for you. Was uh, Pete Stewart in the field? Peter Stewart was not in the field. Let me think. His son wasn't either because, seriously, both of them wanted to go ahead and watch the golf tournament. And, uh, yeah, Peter's son just won the Wyoming State Amateur. Again. 
Or is that the first no, Eddie time? Eddie had never won it before. Oh, that's good. that's cool. That's good news. Now, Peter and I go back a long way. I used to play a lot of golf with him in uh, uh, New England at uh, Wentworth yeah, by the Sea. At Wentworth, because I was at Portsmouth for a, a couple of years as an assistant director. Oh, my. And, uh, and I grew up at National Country Club with my sister, Pat, and that's where Peter grew up. Yeah, oh, yeah, I played a lot of golf with Pete. Hey, yeah, nice talking to you. I'll tell him when I see him. Hey, good. Thanks a lot. So um, anyway, so you know what's cool is this boy just won the 2011 Wyoming State Amateur Championship at 10 under par. So that's awesome, too. Another Jackson Hole guy does well. Jackson Hole Golf and Tennis Club guy did I, well. I actually worked at the Sojourner for a while. Over there. Oh, no, kid. Aren't you something? <laughs> well, it's a wonderful place. Well, Mark, we just have a few minutes. And so, you know, how do you think this is going to change Keegan? What's it going to look like for him coming, for you know, into the, the playoffs and the PJ Tour Championship? And have you been able to talk to him or tweet him since uh, this has happened? Yeah, you know, we've been doing, uh, we always do a lot of texting. And that's a, uh, that works well for both of us because we're both so busy. And he's just got so much going on. But he, uh, we, the night of the event, uh, after the tournament, he ducked away from the press obligations, and he called me real quick. And I knew what was going on. I said, dude, just call me tomorrow, and I congratulated him. And I felt badly because I didn't get to thank him for, you know, dedicating the tournament to his PGA Pro dad. And so then the next day, though, was cool because he called. We talked to like three or four times on the phone, and, and we had some really nice conversations. And he just told me some of the inside things that, that happened, and, uh, and I was able to thank him for, you know, thinking of his old man. Nothing better than that. Mark Bradley, thank you so much. Congratulations to your whole family. Congratulations to Keegan. Storybook victory at the PGA at the Atlanta Athletic Club. Thanks so much for spending a few moments with us and the Golf Insiders. You bet. Thank you. That's it. We're out of here. Another great week of golf. Thanks for listening. <laughs>